What's up, guys? Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast, episode 34. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'm grateful to have this platform to be able to talk, especially in a crazy time like this. And for those of you that have watched or listened to all the previous ones before, or at least many of them, thank you for letting me be a part of your Monday morning. I hope that a lot of you are commuting again. If you weren't working before, I hope that you are working again as these states are slowly starting to open up and we're seeing hope and we are, we are seeing what we knew was going to happen all along. That's only a matter of when, not if, we get back to normal. We like to reject the idea of the new normal and the new way of life that is false. Reject that. We're going to get back to just the way we were because that's what we will believe and the majority of us will believe that we'll make it through this, be better for it, and be back to normal. So thank you guys. I, I want to tell you that some exciting things going on with me and the band. Um, we are going to be starting live stream shows starting tonight, Monday night, starting tonight. If you're watching this or listening to this podcast real time, uh, we will be doing this live stream tonight. And we're very excited to be able to give you a, a free viewing of a show. We are going to offer um, a virtual tip jar, a virtual pickle jar, as, as I'll probably say, because back in the old days, we only, we only lived on tips. And so we would pass around a pickle jar with said band tips on the side. And we're, we're kind of, we've resorted, we've, uh, we've gone back to that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed. I get, I get clammy when I start talking about it, but um, I got to ask for tips again. That's, that's the state of the world, or at least the state of um, touring and what it's come down to. So this is, this is going straight to the band. We've done well. I like to say we've done well, but we haven't done well enough to maintain 12 weeks or whatever it's been since the last gig and continue to pay health insurance and, and everything that these guys need to survive. So we'll be passing around a virtual tip jar in the form of Venmo. I created a Venmo account at Granger Smith. And, um, so you could, you can go to at Granger Smith on Venmo or Venmo.com forward slash Granger Smith, uh, a dollar or two as you watch the show. If you don't like the show, you don't have to donate anything, but, um, and otherwise it's not, it's, it's not required or anything. We're going to, we're going to offer it for free because I know this is a crazy time, but I'd like to say that it's, it's important that also that we just get together and play. You know, we go through some of these songs and we take requests. If you have a request, comment below. If you're watching on YouTube, comment below and, and uh, we'll try to build these set lists each week. If we do, say, Monday, today, if we do one Thursday, then I think that might be a good pattern. It's like Mondays and Thursdays we'll do a set and we will make it uh, where we change environments all at the Yee Yee Farm. And we change instrumentation. So we might do a full band. We might do acoustic. We might do th some older throwback songs. Uh, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really fun. So speaking of live concerts and tips, it's, it's very, very, very important to know that if we're going to do a live stream, and if, if I'm going to ask for tips, you're going to hear it from me personally through the podcast or through social media or on my website, you will hear it from me. And the reason I say that is we did hear about at least one scam and I'm sure there's others 
of people impersonating me or impersonating other celebrities and asking for um, tips or some kind of charity support or that they're going to do a live stream. I think there was one we heard of that was a live stream that was actually all a big hoax. It wasn't me at all. So if you see something come up with me as a live stream, it's fake. Get out of it. You know, if you if you see something about me asking money for a charity, it's fake. You're only going to hear that from my mouth on my socials with the blue checks. Always look for the blue check. All that being said, uh, we're pumped. If we make zero dollar tips, we're, it's it's worth it for us just to play and have fun and get back with the guys and um, play some music again. You know, something that we've all been doing for decades that suddenly has stopped. So we'll be back and. All that is going to transition into today's podcast. I'm bringing Dusty Saxon on here, and um, you guys are going to love to hear what he has to say. He is a very interesting guy. He's actually a really funny guy in certain environments, one of the funniest guys I've ever met. If you get to know him and and you listen to him long enough, he will say he's very smart, very witty, Um, and, and he has to be smart and witty. To, to know how he does these drums, how he operates, multitasking all these drums, running a laptop computer at the same time, um, and remembering everything. He never forgets. If you've seen us play, he never forgets. I do all the time. <laughs> so it, it, he's an interesting dude. Um, small town guy from Lorena, Texas. Without further ado, you guys are going to like this one. Dusty Saxton. with me and they would be like man you're so funny i can't believe you're so funny we're all laughing you know how, were you always like the funniest guy in your class were you like the class clown growing up and i would always say man i'm not even like the third or fourth funniest guy on <laughs> my bus and so if i was going to rank the funny guys i think you'd be number one but you're the most unassuming funny guy yeah, because you're generally kind of quiet, and people almost have to get to know you, don't you think? Yeah, I'm not just funny, any just all the time. I guess <laughs> my my Instagram bio actually says sometimes funny. <laughs> so that that explains it. So you're unassuming funny, but also uh, you don't. You don't come to the world and say, "Listen, I want to be a, I want to be a comedian." But those that know Dusty Saxon well, have spent time with you. It's like these moments, late at night, late on the bus, 
when it's quiet, when there's a bunch of people and no one's saying anything, you're always the one that like has the the words that just get everyone yeah. rolling. Well, <clears throat> I I'm never I'm not just funny without I'm not just funny. I have to be. I take something someone says and it'll trigger something funny in my mind or like even with even with music I can't write a song but I could take a song and make it better like I could somebody might say something that that makes me think of something funny and I'll take it the rest of the way I don't know I can't just walk into a room and be funny like a comedian but I could walk into a room with my friends and jump into a conversation and turn that conversation into something funny. Yeah, it's um, interesting. It's like different, there's different forms of comedy. And I, yours is definitely not the walk in the room class clown kind of, like you weren't class clown in high school, I'm sure. No, definitely not. But we, so a lot of people don't know we have something in the band called the quote book. And it's something we've kept over several years. And we sometimes it's written, sometimes we have it on our phones but regardless we collect funny things that have been said at random times and you probably are the king of quote books like you're the king of one-liners and uh maybe maybe one day we'll go through and do a different podcast it's like dusty saxon quotes yeah but tell me like um your story is always so fascinating and i always learn more about you i've known you for we're about almost uh, 10 years now? Yeah, almost 10, yeah. I've been in the band almost eight. We we met, you were playing with the country act, Brandon Ryder. And, but I'd known you before that. Our sound guy, uh, Frank, had worked with you in a band called Ember, a rock band. And so I'd always heard these legendary stories of you as this crazy drummer that's that's very outgoing. You know, you throw sticks up, you catch them, you twirl them, you like make faces to the crowd, you point at people, you you are very a big, huge personality on stage, but then when you talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, you're pretty reserved, pretty quiet. So so tell me the story of how Dustin turned into the legendary <laughs> Dusty Saxton rock star. Um, that's, that's, it's funny that you bring it up that way because I've actually, when I was younger... Like in high school, I would uh, kind of refer to it in my head as the Dusty Saxton switch. Yeah. Like when you turn on Dusty and when you turn it off. Right, right. <laughs> um, and that came from when when I was in, I've always, I was born to be in a band. I was born yeah. to be a musician. Um, I was from, I mean, I started playing drums when I was two and no one in my house ever told me to stop or told me to turn it down. Um, even when I was out of high school and struck out to, to join um, any band, what, no matter what type of music, I just wanted to be in a band that was serious. But where some, at some point in your life, someone in your family steps up and says, Hey, do you really want to do this the rest of your life? Yeah. Or like, is this really going anywhere? Yeah. And for some reason, no one in my family ever, ever, uh, stopped me from yeah. doing it. Nobody ever, um, nobody ever told me, Hey, maybe this isn't going to work out or maybe you shouldn't. And it wasn't working out. Yeah. Like, it was, uh, 
Yeah, it was a it long, never does at the beginning. It was a long, a long road. And <clears throat> to me, it was always when it really got bad, when there were no gigs or I was ultimately broke, um, the fear of not doing it, the fear of going back to a day job or the fear of giving up was always worse than whatever situation I was currently Man, in. That is um, the truth right there. So I just never like, even at the, like at the end of a hard day or at the end of a hard week, I was always, I just, I guess I would just never, I don't know when you, when you finally find what path you want to go down, <clears throat> you, if you can't let yourself give up or you can't let yourself even think about giving up. Um, that, and that's the story, man, behind so much, so much, whether it's athletes, musicians, anybody that has really good success, you hear that same thing that, that the fear of not doing your dream and living out what you've always thought you're supposed to do is always greater than the worst day, the worst practice. If you're an athlete, the yeah. worst gig, if you're a musician, and that's what has you know, people ask me, like, how do you what's your key to success? I'm just like, I just never stopped. I yeah. wasn't more talented. I wasn't smarter. I just went yeah. longer than all my friends that were doing it. Exactly. And you don't you, ha you have to not surround yourself with people that make you want to stop. Yeah, because. I was so dedicated to my dream or my idea, my path that I wanted to live that it was hard to be friends with me if you weren't mm. also on that same page. Yeah. So like I, you know, people that uh, other musicians or even other bands I was in that where the other members, whether they weren't quite as motivated as me, or even if they just were motivated to do other things like have a family or a house or, or anything else like the, I just, I, I didn't attract friends that, I mean, it was very hard to be friends with me if you weren't on board yeah. with, or or if you couldn't understand what it's like to be fully on board or date with you, something. If you're a girl. <laughs> yeah, really hard. <laughs> uh, so that, that brings up a point. Tell me about the amount of time you've spent homeless on purpose like not not sidewalk oh, homeless but multiple times multiple times in my life you've made a living <clears throat> or, or you've made a lifestyle at some point not now but in your past literally living on friends couches yeah <laughs> um i mean when i was like i said when from from a from a very young age i mean from kindergarten i wanted to be a drummer in a band and my whole childhood i struggled with what does that even mean? How do you, you just find a band? <laughs> do you start a band? And like I said, I'm not the type of person who is, I don't have these original ideas from the beginning. I, I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of ideas that start from the ground up. Or if I do, they start from the ground up and they go a quarter of the way. But I can, um, like, from a, I, I didn't know, I had no concept in my mind of how to start a career as a drummer. And then once I was in, once I was in high school, I started playing in bands, but we didn't make any money and our shows were 
and in high school gyms and and um parking lots and things um and when um when i when i f- discovered i remember the first gig i ever got paid to play and it was in college station and i was playing bass for a reggae band and the singer came up at the end of the show and the singer gave me 20 bucks and he said, I said, what's this for? And he said, well, the bar said we sold this much alcohol while we were playing and they paid us a hundred bucks. So we split it five ways. Each one of us gets 20 bucks. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Cause honestly that night I had driven to college station and I didn't have enough gas to get home. Yeah. So I was going to have to like, I don't know, drive my car till it ran out of gas and call someone to come pick me up. And that 20 bucks, that unexpected 20 bucks was what got me home that night. And then, uh, when, once I, once I moved, moved away from home and joined my serious rock band, um, I was only 20 years old or 21 years old. Um, so I wasn't, I was, I wasn't making much money as, as a 21 year old. So I never really got the taste of what it's like to live in your own house or buy your own car. I was living off of nothing. I was already broke. So to go from a broke kid working a job you hate to go from an equally, to go to an an equally broke kid working a job that you love, um, it was, there was no question in my mind, like, I didn't want to go back to working a day job. I wanted to, to continue doing what I was doing. So when, when the, the rock band got started, you know, took off to a certain point, it got more and more successful to the point where I didn't have, I didn't have a day job. Um, which of course in rock bands, once you get, once you reach that point, it starts going downhill. Right. And you know, the shows, the shows got fewer and, and more far between, um, the crowd started getting thinner and the paychecks got smaller and I had to move out of the house that I was living in and for the first time had to be homeless yeah. living in, you know, living in my car. Um, but the way I did it was the band still had shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We played acoustic shows on Sunday. So I would only have to, I would only have to find somewhere to sleep Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, because Thursday we'd be back on the road. So it really was, it was like, I can't afford the house I'm living in now. I have to move out. So there's no way I'm going to be able to afford my own place. And I'm only going to be there three days a week. Yeah. And so that that began the the mindset that would follow me throughout my whole life of, why am I going to pay rent on an apartment that I'm never at? Yeah. And, um, the, the biggest enemy of, of success in that way is a fallback plan. Yeah. Like my, my father-in-law has got a job. My dad's got a job for me waiting, or I've got a really nice place to stay. Yeah. I don't really want to hit the road again, but when you don't have a fall fallback plan or you seriously reject that fallback plan, you just yeah. do it. You, you did whatever cost. Yeah. <clears throat> no, drums was always my main, uh, main dream, my main objective. I mean, and I tried to be a guitar player. I tried to be a bass player. 
Um, but when it really came down to it and I was like, okay, I want to actually make a living with my talent or make a living with my hobby. Um, I had to really pick the thing that I was most naturally talented at that was gonna, you know, the thing that I felt like I was actually born to do. Obviously I want to make, I want to, I want to make a living playing music and I could do it um, any, uh, so many different ways. I had to pick the one that was the most natural for me, the one that was the one that where I had to think the less and uh, think the least and, and drums was the, was the most natural way for me to do that. And, but you also actually really are a, a, a talented guitar player, bass player, singer, and you have a, probably more than all that. You have a really good ear and you could hear um, notes and melodies and uh, where everyone knows you, you know, beats and rhythm, but you have a really good ear. And, and so for, for instance, our song America, me and you kind of wrote that and then you took it and there was an old rock song that you had written and you played all those guitars. So the demo of America, it was actually you yeah. playing all the instruments. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the instruments, the solo, yeah, um, yeah. everything. Um, so what made you lock in on drums? I mean, drums is by far the hardest to set up and carry and <clears throat> and play it takes a huge endurance yeah. to play and and when we play hot shows i'm always looking back at you and i'm thinking i'm hot and then i remember you're back there <laughs> slamming <Yeah>. drums <clears throat> yeah well it's it was you know when i moved when i moved away from home moved to austin to be a professional musician there i i would i met some guitar players that had moved to austin to do the same thing and i was even though i may have been able to to play you know i was a good player i didn't have the mind of a guitar player i couldn't communicate the two other guitar players i didn't know the notes i didn't know all the chords i could probably jump in with a guitar and jump into your band and and do a good job but um Compared to other guitar players, I really was not uh, up to par. But on drums, I had been in drumline and high school band, so I knew, I knew what rudiments were. I knew what uh, I knew what time signatures were. I knew what tempo was. I knew how. I knew more about drums, so that if I was gonna jump into the professional music world, I knew that I could communicate better on drums. I knew that I would excel more on drums. It was just what I naturally played. It's almost like if you were a baseball player or a football player and you were a naturally good pitcher or a naturally good quarterback or a naturally good receiver, or if you had really good speed, you wouldn't want to have a dream of being a lineman or, or something. You know, like yeah. I had to really focus on what am I naturally good at the best at and what is going to take me the furthest and drums was that. And that's why, uh, I always settled on it. It's also why I play, have always played a crazy big drum set because one, it reminds me of 
high school band days where you had to assemble your percussion section based off of what songs you played, not just show up to a gig with the same drum set. Like when our, when our shows got bigger and crazier, my drum set got bigger and crazier. When the shows are smaller and quieter, I sometimes try to play a smaller, quieter drum set. I try to play to the room and to the crowd. Um, and that just become that just is from me not wanting to be an annoying drummer. I don't yeah. want to be the drummer that shows up to the dinner gig with a yeah. massive loud and you know and play too loud. Um, and that that comes from being a guitar player and being a drummer in other bands with or being you know in other bands where I wasn't playing drums. Um, <laughs> One of my greatest accomplishments in my music career is keeping Dusty Saxon in the band. <laughs> I remember when I when I first got you, um, I, I was kind of in a bind, and you just happened to be in between gigs. You were you were just off the road with Evans Blue. Yep. And so you had like a month that you could pick up some gigs and make some cash. And so I wasn't thinking long-term as you, my drummer, I was thinking this is going to buy me some time. In fact, we were auditioning drummers with you in the band. Like you were the sit-in drummer that was also all of our friend and you were going to help us find a drummer. It just so happened that along the way we were, we were gaining popularity quickly and like the stars aligned where your, your Evans blue gig ran out. And I remember one time somewhere in some town in some crappy green room you said i'm gonna play arenas whether it's with you or not and i, yeah. and I remember thinking god challenge <laughs> challenge accepted and you didn't yeah. say that like in a demeaning way to us you're just kind of letting me know my hey man my goal is to play drums in an arena and i will go there and i will find a way to do that whether you're the train i'm on or yeah. not i think that I'm trying to remember the context of that. I think it was Tyler. I think Tyler was saying something about how Tyler was taught was, I think Tyler was saying something about like, how do we get to this level or how do we, we want to do this someday. Or, you know, if you're not, if you're not dreaming of that level now, then you need to get out because this is, this is where we want to be. And I think that was my response was, well, I'm going to play arenas, whether it's with this band or not, because when my rock band ended, a lot of, a lot of musicians from, if you're not from a music city, if you're not from Nashville or New York or LA, or I guess Austin, you can't, you, you get like, people don't know how musicians work outside of being in a band. And you have like the idea of being truly freelance, a truly freelance drummer was totally foreign to me in the beginning. I thought you had to join a band and your band had to be successful. And if the band ended, you ended. Yeah. And um, I had to learn how to how to become just Dusty Saxton, the drummer, not Dusty Saxton, the drummer of this band or of that band. Right. Um, you built a brand yourself. Like you came up with a yeah. logo, a website, the whole bit, you branded yourself. Yeah. Um, and that, I learned that from, um, being on a, on a 
you know, when I was a kid, I was a, on, a, on a soccer team. And even if, if you only, you know, if the team did bad, everybody did bad. Or, um, you know, and when I joined a band, my first rock band, that's kind of how it felt. It was like, if the band, if the band takes a dive, we all take a dive. Yeah. And I wanted something that would have more longevity to it. And I had to learn how to survive without a band and get gigs, get gigs just, I had to, I had to figure out how to make people call. Yeah, and make it goes back call to me. there was no fallback plan. Um, there was no fallback plan. And so when when the when my paycheck got too small or quit quit at all, quit coming at all, I had to um, figure out, like there were some weeks where when I had my last gig on Sunday, if I didn't have another gig till Thursday, I would just be like, well, I've just got to sit and do nothing for three days or four days. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think the number one reason that I could have given up was just waiting it out because when you're, when you're trying to make your freelance talent a career, you don't always have gigs coming in in the beginning and they come, they come so sporadically you might have you might have only Fridays and Saturdays. And so what are you going to do in the meantime? What are you going to do waiting all week for your for your you know, your gig or your show? And to me that was sit and look for other shows. Yeah. It wasn't you know, and literally I would I would I would sleep somewhere in my car, wake up, go to the first bar or restaurant that had an outdoor patio and sit outside and drink Dr. Pepper. And, <laughs> I remember that. And look and just literally have my computer wide open, reloading Facebook every 10 minutes, looking for people posting about drummer gigs. And I didn't care how much it paid um, because I was just sitting doing nothing. And I had I had, you know, my Friday, Saturday gigs that would pay me enough to eat all week. But if, you know, I was making impressions on new musicians was way more important than getting paid. Because if I could, if I could play a show with a new group of, of musicians I'd never played, played with before there was a good chance that one of those guys was going to call me for something in the future. For and sure. when I look back on it now, not, not one gig that I ever took was pointless because even when I was playing blues gigs, downtown Sixth street on Austin for no guaranteed money. Now that I look back, it was like, Oh, the first show I played downtown on Sixth street I was filling in on drums, but the bass player was also filling in and he didn't play for that band. He played for a different band that was also right. just had some slow times. And eventually, you know, two months down the road, that bass player would call me because his other band needed a fill in drummer. You say, I remember a guy I played yeah. with on six. Like, yeah. Because when, if, as a drummer, if you can step in and help a band out when they, when they're, 
stranded and don't have someone, then that they'll never forget that. And everyone in that band that I just caught a random blues gig with, everyone in that band called me again to do the same thing at, at some point. And, you know, and maybe I didn't make any money that night, but it got me. You made the impression. Yeah, it, I made the impression. And people say, oh, I don't want to get up off the couch unless it pays a hundred bucks. I didn't even have a couch. I was in my car. <laughs> I was sitting, That's I would so be good. sleeping in my car somewhere so good. with the drums in the trunk. I, I'm, I mean, I'm amazed that my drums never got stolen out of my car. I mean, they probably cause you were sleeping with them. I know I was sleep, sleeping and, with them. And you've continued to this day to grow that brand. And right now you, on your YouTube channel, you have some really good videos that you've been making that I've never really known the side. I mean, you, you're pretty good at anything you do, especially tech stuff or, or music stuff. But, um, I was really blown away by these videos. Um, what's your YouTube page? Uh, just Dusty Saxton. Dusty Saxton. I think it's YouTube.com. S-A-X-T-O-N. Yeah. And um, it, you're, you've been doing these these rig rundowns, your your whole drum set, but they're built in a way that incorporates storytelling of where you came from and how you became a drummer. And you're elaborating on – it's basically like an autobiography – built into how how you're building your drum set over the years as it's changed with different bands. And that's like one the last one you put out, I sat there and at the end of it, I was like, I just watched 10 minutes of Dusty <laughs> telling me about his life. And I've known this guy for 10 yeah. years and I just watched it for 10 minutes. So it's really good. If you guys want to see that, uh, it's, it's put together really well. Yeah. I've got, I've got more coming. I've got a, another one, part three, which will finally wrap up the, the rig rundown about the actual current drum set. Um, like you said, I've, I've, I've always wanted to tell these stories and, um, but I guess I never thought that I had reached a level where anyone would actually learn from me. Cause I was still learning. Um, but now with everything, with all the touring shut down and the industry kind of at a halt, it, I've been thinking like, wow, if this had happened at any earlier point in my career, I don't know if I would be able to make it through this or even right. to start back up again. Like right. if this had happened in 2008 or nine or 10, when you're on a couch, somewhere. when I was on a couch somewhere and had no money. And then all of a sudden all the gigs stopped. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I would have ever yeah. started back up again. And, but looking back, there was nothing as big and there was nothing as big as what's currently happening, but there were other things that happened, whether, you know, when I had to move out and had to l decide, am I going to, am I going to abandon everything and go get a job at guitar center and quit touring and not be available for all these gigs? Or am I going to figure out a way to keep going and figure out a way to survive through whatever little thing this is? And as the bands got bigger, the problems got bigger. I mean, <laughs> you know. It's like Tyler always says, you got to get bigger problems. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we're running out of time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
Guys, I hope you're liking this podcast with Dusty. What a crazy guy. Um, so many stories. I want to tell you about our Yee Yee Apparel summer launch June 12th. This is going to be crazy. And as we've seen from the past with these launches, everything goes really quick. So go to yeeyee.com or yeeyeeapparel.com. Log in and make sure you see it go live at 10 a.m. At 10 a.m., find your favorite things, log out. You got it. I just don't want you guys to miss out. It's going to go pretty quick. Love y'all. Back to Dusty. A lot of people don't know also that you're, you not only have you, you balance this act of trying to uh, build your brand and play drums and, and keep your personality on stage and you make your faces to the crowd and throw up drumsticks, but you're also controlling every song through, through the drum cat, which is a MIDI controller that then controls a laptop. So if you've ever seen, uh, if you've seen any rock drummer, I wouldn't even say country drummer because you're, you don't really qualify for that. But if you have seen any rock drummer and you've seen, they have to use both feet and both arms all the time, every song constantly. You know, so imagine do, seeing that and then also imagine running the songs with a MIDI controller with a drumstick. So on his right hand, he hits this controller with a drumstick that advances to the next song on the set list. And in our ears, we could hear the count off and the click. And if we mess up, which happens sometimes, mm-hmm. he has to find the next chorus of the song. He advances it forward and has to uh, catch up to where we messed up. All this is happening and nobody in the crowd knows it's happening. Yeah. Just the five of us on stage. And you're back there. I mean, it's like the craziest multitasking yeah. that you could imagine. I've even I've explained it to other drummers before, and half of them don't understand it at all. And the other half of them that do understand it are like, if you ever tell my boss about this, <laughs> I will come beat you, because they don't uh, they don't want to <laughs> they don't want to to take on the challenge. I mean, it's very challenging. Um, but I mean, I've, my whole career, I've been playing, playing songs with bands, with computers. And when something goes wrong, you always have to just, when something goes wrong, you have to just stop everything. And it becomes very obvious that something's wrong. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. we, we played a show in Traverse City, Michigan, which was the last straw. And I knew I had to find a way to fix this. But we started the first song and you came up on stage and you went to sing and your microphone batteries were dead. Yeah. In the very first song of the of the show. And you went to sing. No vocal came out. And I was like, OK, well. You know, the computer is running the click. It's running the lights. Yeah. And if you don't start singing, if we don't do everything perfect the same way every time, yeah. we are now wrong. The click's going to end before <clears throat> we do, and the lights are going to turn off the before lights are we turn finish. Off. It's going to be a train wreck. So what you have to do in that situation back in the old days was just hit spacebar and stop the whole computer. And when I did that that day, I hit the spacebar after a split-second blackout, and all the lights went out. And so we finished the rest of the song in total darkness and it was so awkward and so obvious. And so when we went home from that little run, um, 
I committed myself to finding a way. There's got to be a way to stop the computer and start it again during a song. Or um, there's got to be a way to make our mistakes. Like, we are, we are experienced musicians. We've played in bar bands. We've played in cover bands. We've jammed in, the gr- in garages. We know how, as a band, to just jam through a moment and get back on track and continue the song. But a computer can't do that. So I knew there had to be a way to stop the computer and start it during the song. None of you guys had any idea this was going on, Um, I'm sure. And so that, yeah, that one winter we went home. Everything's telling me we're, we're, uh, we're doing a good podcast. We're talking a long time. (laughs) This is good. But I figured out how to, how to do it. And then, uh, I didn't really realize that it would kind of take over and become the way that we run things now. Like now, if we want to do a song differently, we can just do it differently because I have so many ways to to run the song in the computer. I'm so trying... for instance, now, let me give them an example. We'll use like America, for example. Yeah. So say we're at a big festival. There's 10,000 people. I'm out on the catwalk singing America. If I don't get to that chorus or those verses at a certain time, the click's going to run out, lights are going to change, things, things change in the song. So I'm reaching down and I'm, you know, I'm signing some lady's, you know, uh, hat and then i don't get back up in time and i miss the top of that second verse so you guys don't notice it but the band's going so dusty realizes i didn't make the top of that verse so dusty then commands to the whole band hold right here hold right here wait for me so and then he'll count us and then when i'm ready and he knows i'm back on the catwalk and i'm ready to sing he, he realizes that while playing all this crazy stuff on the drums then he gets back to that second verse, the top of the second verse, and then counts us in right here. One, two, three, hits it, and then yeah. I start singing. It's kind of, I mean. And no one knows. We try to compare our band to a football team a lot. And in that situation, I don't really know who's the quarterback, if it's me or if it's you. <laughs> but it's kind of like we we're. it's like when something goes wrong, I have to stop and get us into a loop. And then I just have to kind of watch and listen and then sometimes I'll I'll see you going for the mic and I'll be like, all right, verse verse two or chorus two. Yeah. But other times I don't really know what you're gonna do. Sometimes you look like you're about to sing, but you start talking, and then I'll have to wait. <laughs> but then some you know, it's but it's awesome because it gives us back that jam band flexibility right. that you lose when you start programming your lights yeah. and pro- programming your clicks. Um, it's those moments that keep us excited. Oh, and then we absolutely. get off the stage and we high five each other. We're like, dude, that was crazy. Yeah. We, we almost messed up so and bad. Like, um, uh, Sayersville, New Jersey during America where the power went out Yeah, and, um, America keeps getting brought up today. It, uh, the, I looked back on some video from there and the power was out for like 12 to 15 minutes. But so like, what are we going to do in that situation when the power goes out? Are you just going to all kind of die off stage and then just eventually stop and then the band stand up and leave and wait for, you know, the the crew guys to fix the problem and yeah. then all come back out and be like, oh, hey, sorry, yeah. now we'll start that song over again. No, what we did, the power goes out. You still had you have no you have no amps. You've got no microphones. You've got no uh, no PA in that situation, 
but you still had a sold out venue full of rowdy music fans and a drum set on stage. They can still hear the drums. Yeah. And so I just kept playing and the crowd kept clapping, started chanting. And over those 10 to 12 minutes, <laughs> you, if, when the drummer stops, you really have a problem. I always, yeah. I always say that any instrument can stop on stage and you, it doesn't make it obvious that there's something wrong, but when the drummer stops, that's yeah. when you admit, okay, we can't fix what's wrong up here. And, you know, it becomes a, it becomes the crowd's problem then. Because and, and I kind of said this and you might, y'all might not have understood, but when we talk to each other and Dusty's saying one, two, three, he actually has a microphone on his drum kit that talks to our ears. So it's like a, what do they call that talk in, in uh yeah we call it a talk back or whatever they call it in broadcasting uh, you know you have a, a Q mic you have a Q mic yeah. so we we could listen to dusty and then i have one right in front of his drum kit and then johnny our bass player has one so there's three on the stage if the guitar player has a big problem he could run to that Q mic uh same with bass player and then dusty's always talking and sometimes it's a joke, you know, sometimes you're just, just making a smile with a joke, but in, in emergency situations, um, and I'm talking Lake Shake, Chicago, 25,000 people, I'm out on a catwalk, which could be 50 feet from you. Yeah. I, we have to talk to each other. He can't see my hand signals. It's not like it was in the days of the clubs. No. So, um, that's our saving grace. I, I should probably wrap this up. If you guys want to hear more dusty comment below. I think we could probably do three or four of these podcasts and still uh, get interesting stories. He's one of the most interesting people I know and one of the funniest guys I know. But um, anyway, dude, thanks for being yeah, on here. No problem. Let's go work on that truck. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys.